Hello everyone, and we are here with Andy Hutton, who is one of our experts, a good friend of my energy game. And he's coming to talk today about quite an interesting subject. But we'll go before we go into it. How are you, Andy? Good, thanks, Adu. Yeah, nice to nice to be here today, and good to good to be speaking to you. And uh, looking forward to a good conversation. So thank you for having me. No, thank you so much. For those who don't know, Andy, Andy is a good friend of ours. Uh, he works at um, Derby University. He's the head of sport and exercise science, and he's also an academic who is going to be helping us out uh, for the next few months in a really exciting project that we are trying to launch uh, for next year, for 2022. Um, my energy game is going to try to obviously create a prototype in virtual reality. And that's something that probably myself and Andy are going to talk to you all after Christmas. But today, and this is really exciting, we're going to talk about what is effective coaching. So what is it, Andy? Um, yeah, I think it's a bit of a, a difficult one, I guess. Different environments, different players probably require different, different types of coaching, different quite types of support. But um, I suppose my, my, my PhD research looks at kind of um, how to create effective practitioners, I guess, or how to develop practitioners, how to develop sports psychologists. And, and I think that can be mapped across to any, any discipline such as coaching. Um, so realistically, one of the key things that came out of that was the, the importance of the relationship. So I guess that's whether it's a individual kind of player coach relationship or the re relationship that the coach has with a group of players um, I think the greater the relationship the better able you are to understand the developmental needs of the the player the more that the player will likely invest in you as a coach as well because they will likely buy into your 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 kind of um, approach uh, if if there's that kind of foundation in place and um, yeah, a number of kind of athletes and, um, and, and also students in the past have kind of referred to maybe the importance of the relationship is, 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 is more so than, than that, of, um, that of maybe even the, the coach expertise, essentially, because um, it, it doesn't matter how, how good someone is, if you're not going to engage with what they're, they're kind of trying to do with you, then it's likely to have little to no effect. Whereas if, if those foundations and that relationship is, is strong, then realistically um the player is, is more likely to engage with the coach but also the the coach is more likely to have a good understanding of what that player needs to, to work on and, and develop so um fingers crossed from that and you'd be able to um really kind of engage in some positive uh, positive work and um, positive areas for development that's very interesting i mean the more i talk to different people and um, not just different people in our industry, but different people in other industries. Um, it seems to me, and it seems clearer to me, that yes, of course, the technicalities of your job are important. Yes, of course, you do need to know about the subject and you do need to know um, the industry inside out, of course. Um, but in a way, those are given. I mean, if you are a professional in any industry, I mean, by trade and by definition, you have to know about the industry. That's why you are a professional of that industry. But going away from the technicalities, everyone goes back into establishing relationships. Everyone goes back into how you're going to engage with those people. And so we go back into people, right? We go back into the fundamental um, understanding of how do we build relationships 
and how do we create an environment in which everyone feels comfortable to actually open up. So let's go a bit deeper, Andy. How do you do that? How do you create those relationships? How can you then get the buy-in from the players? Yeah, I think there are a number of ways depending on the, the group or the individual that you're working with. But I think the, the importance is, is being adaptable as a practitioner. So I think you've got to, like you say, you've got to have your, your kind of theoretical and, and, and kind of technical understanding in place. Um, and you've got to have a solid kind of professional identity as a, as a coach or uh, a practitioner. But it, I guess within that, there's an element of being eclectic within it, an element of being adaptable so that you can adapt to the different environments, to the different groups, to the different players that you're working with. And um, a lot of it's about demonstrating interest in them. You know, um, I think it's players are, are very, maybe they've been brought up through a, a schooling environment whereby it's a lot of kind of instruction and telling the students what to do, how to study. And, and a lot of that might be the case, not, not for all. Um, obviously, there's a lot of great kind of coaches out there with that ability to be able to bring players in. But again, from that young age, we're kind of educating them in terms of that technical side of things. And, and at some point, I guess there's that consideration of when we bring those individuals into their learning so that they're able to contribute to it and be part of it and feel some ownership and autonomy associated with it. And I think that will, will, will go towards and enhancing their feelings of competence, enhancing their feelings of kind of um, belongingness and, and their identity will be shaping as a, as a result of that as well. So um, I think being able to be adaptable as a, as a coach and be able to work with the, the group of individuals or the individual that you're working with and, you know, be a good listener, ask good questions, kind of engage them in, in, in their thoughts and, and try and bring them into the the kind of process that you're you're trying to put in place then i think that is what um i guess is the the skill or the skills um that will that will lead to kind of positive relational development and and therefore positive outcomes as a as a result of that listening to you uh, and as you were talking um i was i was remembering a quote that i um, read two days ago about uh, Patrick Vieira. So Crystal Palace went to play Man City yesterday and, you know, they, 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 they won the game and, and obviously now everyone is going to be talking about the, the scoreline and then obviously those that support City are going to say that probably it was because of the sending off before halftime. Uh, those who support Crystal Palace are going to say because Crystal Palace are in a high and, and obviously that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of football. But if you read this quote, and this was 48 hours before the game, there is a lot to consider against scorelines and against all the kind of charts. And I'm going to read it to you, and I would like to pick up your thoughts. And I quote, We have to be brave. Try to play our game and play with personality. I want the players to take responsibility on the field and to express themselves because we have talent to make it difficult for them. Yeah, that's interesting, think? isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I think, I think from that, then what the players will realise is that they've, they've got um, a level of belief that has been instilled in them that will breed confidence 
they've got an element of freedom in terms of them taking control and then taking ownership. And, and I think with that breeds probably excitement and engagement from the players. It, it probably breeds confidence as a result. And it probably makes them feel as if they are owning their, their, their performance, their outcomes. And, um, and, and, and it's interesting to think about what that has on an in, like an, an impact on an individual, but also the impact that that has on a collective as a team as well. When you feel as if you are supported and, and provided that level of autonomy as a, as a group, then potentially it allows you to come together and, and share your ideas of how you will go about either marking a certain player, you know, exiting from defense, certain tactics you might employ to try and break down their defense etc and 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 therefore if we're able to instill that as long as it's warranted in those players then then potentially it can lead to really really positive outcomes so if we go back to the original title of this um, this chart which is what is effective coaching and how we then we can develop practitioners how do you feel when i say Things like, the more you're prepared to lose control as a leader or a practitioner, the more room or space you give to your staff and your players to actually be themselves and therefore to get a chance to, to get to that gift, to get to that you know, that, that, that gift that is given them the possibility to be part of that team. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think, I think it's a balance, isn't it? Because I think, you know, you know, all of us know that it's not just a case of going into a team and saying, right, you know, off you go, you guys do what you want, you know, and, and take it away. Because I think there's an element where we need structure, we need guidance, you know, and I think that's where it comes back to that relationship, you know, the relationship is the fundamental aspect of knowing your players and the group of people that you're working with. So then if we're aware of that, one, it, 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 it kind of lowers impression management. So we're likely to learn more about the players, fears, concerns. Um, we might actually learn more about their areas of confidence that they might not share unless we're able to, to build that relationship effectively. And, and therefore, if we're able to understand those things, we're probably, in a better place to understand how we can loosen the leash a little. And, and I guess what I mean by that is, you know, we could say we can go right from kind of authoritative kind of coaching right the way across to laissez-faire. But at the same time, we're, when we understand the players and the group of people that we're working with, we're able to think about to what extent can we loosen the leash and, and allow them to kind of take that authority themselves, allow them to make, decisions allowed them to feed in and, and reflect on performances and think about how to fix mistakes and 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 kind of rectify things and 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 also recognize areas for development that even if things are going well that they're able to kind of identify how they can keep progressing down a positive track but i think it comes back to that notion that the relationship is that foundation for everything and it's that that then enables that kind of mutual participation because you know, it's much more enjoyable to be part of something whereby you feel as if others are engaged with you in your journey in terms of what you're trying to achieve. So if we're able to kind of 
put those foundations in place, then we engage in mutual participation and we both have a better understanding of each other and also how to support each other. And I think that then gives us that knowledge of when we can provide more autonomy to the individual or to the group that we're working with. And it's very interesting uh, when you say those things, because at times in football, I don't know in other sports, but in football, certainly, there's a lot of conversation um, around and debate around the style that the coach or the manager or the staff um, choose um, and whether it's best to be using command, more direct approach, or whether it's best to do guided discovery and Q&A and reciprocal learning. And actually, you're going now into an area which I like, I, so not saying that it's right or wrong, but I do feel identified with it, which is not so much whether one style is better than the other or whether one style is um, the one that you should utilize, but whether by understanding those relationships and understanding the group and understanding what the player needs and what the players need at every single moment, because you've made a commitment of understanding their fears and their confidence, then you can choose the right style in that circumstance. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, and I think that's important because I think you can recognize through a lot of different coaches that different styles work. You know, there's not one style that would work, otherwise everybody would use the same style. I think you've got to recognize that you're working with different people who are in different environments that have different, you know, environmental contexts and social impacts that happen into them at the same time as well so for you to be um adaptable as a coach and and i guess the key thing there is the, the word adaptable in the sense that you know as a coach you will have your kind of your preferred style and you will have your kind of underpinning philosophy behind how you like to coach and what maybe suits your identity or your personality but as you progress through developing those relationships with different people in different environments, you'll recognize that it's not going to be a one, a one size fits all kind of approach. You're going to have to be able to adapt and adjust. And like you just said, even with the same group of players or the same individual at different times in, in the season or in their career, you're going to have to use different styles and different approaches, but you're going to be able to better do that. The more you understand that individual or that group, and, and I think then it's, it's not a case of then just being like a oh, anything goes style approach. It's a case of, no, I'm judging the situation. I'm judging the, the, the individual. I'm judging the group that I'm working with. I'm judging the environment. And that's why I'm making the decision to, to act in this way and, and to kind of utilize this approach in this situation. And then, you know, good coaches will come back to that kind of underpinning literature and theory and other things that they've kind of utilized to to shape their kind of um understanding and 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 kind of be able to kind of therefore ground it in some i guess some some level of theory some and i guess this is the this is what i talk to students quite a bit about is the the difference between knowledge-based practice and practice-based knowledge you know a lot of students go through university they know everything and um 
I was one of those. That's because they, <laughs> they, yeah, they, they learn a lot of theory, they learn a lot of literature, and then it comes to being exposed in practice, and whoa, it's a very different environment, and you can't just put things in place. So you have to learn from practice to be able to think about, right, okay, I understand that better now, and, and, and therefore I can take this back from practice, combine it with my knowledge that I've learned, and, and then that will form and shape my, my kind of um, approach. But the, the important thing is that you're always kind of ensuring that you're grounding your approach in, in some level of, um, I guess, knowledge base so that it's, it's, it's kind of informed you know, in terms of what we're doing so that, you know, we've also got pressures as coaches from, from management, from, from other practitioners that from players that if we're actually asked, why are we doing it in this way, then it's probably no use to say, well, my relationship tells me this, we, we have to be able to support it with some other evidence as well. But the skill is being able to not necessarily impart that on the players, but know it yourself as a coach and understand why you're doing something the way you're doing it but still having that flexibility and being able to adjust and that comes from the real balance between the practice-based knowledge and the knowledge-based practice when you say that something comes to mind something that i i mean you know me by now and i'm a bit of a romantic uh, <laughs> and i like calling it the art of coaching yeah. And, and for me, the art of coaching is exactly that, finding that balance between all that theory, all that knowledge that you have, all those experiences, all, all those um, metrics that you need to understand, and at the same time, understanding people, and at the same time, understanding your audience, and then combine it all together, and then be able to deliver something that of course is going to have a knowledge base, of course it's going to be informative, it's going to help the player, because players want to... I think, when I think about what players want, in my opinion, and I, it'll be interesting to see what you think, for me, players want to know, is this coach going to make me better? Is this coach going to enhance my career? And is this coach going to make us win and make me win? I mean, that, those three fundamental questions, I think, are always in any, any players or any athlete's mind. And so, of course, they'll be thinking, well, is his knowledge or her knowledge good enough? And are they informative? And are their feedback helping me? But at the same time, they'll also like to know, do they get me? Hmm. Do they really understand who I am and where I come from and where I'm headed? And I think, I think that part, and, you know, certainly speaking to, to athletes in the past, that part is probably the biggest bit of it, you know, yes, but, and like you said previously, that, that knowledge is almost like expected when you get to a certain level, you know, when I'm working with our MSc students, I say, like, we, we're actually not going to go into too much in terms of the sports science theory side of things. We'll look at maybe education literature. We'll look at counseling literature. We'll look at some clinical psychology stuff, et cetera. So we can learn from other disciplines, but I expect you to know your sports science stuff now, you know, just as you expect a high level coach to know their coaching theory and know the metrics associated with what you're trying to do. I remember you saying to me the other week about if I'm doing a drill around exiting from defense I'm maybe not going to tell the players that we're in that drill. You know, I know that and I know that I'm grounding that in some good, solid kind of knowledge-based practice. But at the same time, I'm going to make it an engaging drill from the players. I'm going to make it one that kind of 
provides them some level of autonomy, some level of kind of input into that drill. And yes, I get the outcome that I'm looking for and they get the outcome that we're looking for, but they also get a lot more out of it in terms of feeling part of something. And I think, you know, often players have said, you know, and athletes have said that 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 relational aspect of how they kind of bond with coaches and practitioners is actually the key for them in terms of, you know, especially if they're at an elite level, they've made it to an elite level. So they're, they're inherently competitive. They want to win. That's generally the way for, for kind of most athletes, but at the same time, can, does this person get me? I think you said, you know, that's absolutely key. Do they get me? And therefore do they have my best interests at heart and, and will they support me in what I'm trying to achieve? And that's very different to kind of, are they a top level coach? You know, it, which is interesting because sometimes that reputational aspect has a good impact. But then if you get a top level coach and you don't get on with them, then how does that end? Probably not very positively. And you see quite a lot of that in, in, in everyday kind of media, um, you know, challenges with players and coaches. Um, and that's probably due to the relationship breakdown, not because they don't suddenly doubt, not because they suddenly doubt their knowledge or their ability. It's because they don't get me. And just to finish off, I mean, this is another thought I'm going to share with you to see um, what you understand and, and um, your opinion about it. But in football, there is a lot of this comment at times um, when, unfortunately, um, a manager, a coach loses his job or her job. Um, he or she lost the changing room. <laughs> and, and, and when you hear that, you go, blame me. I mean, you know, when you study and when you work very hard to become a good practitioner, to become an effective coach, you sometimes go a lot through the theory, you go a lot through the formation system, matrix, um, you know, how to understand all the multidisciplinary approaches and so on. But, but then in most cases, in most cases, when you lose your job at the top end, the first comment is he lost the changing room, right? I've just lost you a little bit there, I do at the end. Yeah. Now, what, what, did, what do you think about, about the comment of losing the changing room? Yeah, I think... Um... I think it's a difficult one. I sometimes think that's used as an excuse for getting rid of people, you, you know, as in um, that, that can be the, the get out clause for, for, for individuals who have made a decision about somebody. I think sometimes when you see that, that they, they say they've lost the dressing room and actually, the, you know, the players come out that they've really been engaging and trying really hard for someone. But I, I think, I think, you know, in, in, in some cases where that, where that really does happen um, and you see a new coach come in and actually then you see a team maybe, you know, suddenly bounce back and, and their performance change and their attitudes change and, and everything, you know, about their kind of approach changes. And I think that that probably demonstrates the, the power of the relational impact in the sense that, you know, if, if you have lost the dressing room, as it's called, but essentially what we're talking about is relationship breakdown, then that has a, a, 
you know, whether it's a conscious effect or an unconscious effect, it has an impact on players' motivation. It has an impact on their, maybe their communication. It has an impact maybe on their kind of, I guess, either levels of confidence or level of collective efficacy, collective belief. And, and you know, it doesn't take many of those things to start um, impacting performance. Probably one or two of those things will impact performance. So, yeah, I think it's... Um, probably just demonstrates the power of power of the relationship within all of this and, and whether that relationship be built on um, respect, whether that relationship be built on good listening skills, whether that relationship be built on uh, involving the, the players and the athletes in, in the, the decision-making or multiple factors, you know, it, it demonstrates the importance of, 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 of that kind of foundation being in place to, to facilitate all those other aspects. Andy, we could be talking about these hours and hours and uh, actually when we've met up a couple of times up at Derby University, we have been <laughs> um, a long um, but obviously, we want to leave it here. We want to just get these ideas out there. And as we normally do with our podcast, it's not so much about telling people what they need to do and, and how it needs to be done and, and kind of like suggesting that we are right in anything we say. It's just to put some ideas out there and then let people make their own decisions and, and create a bit of debate. And just give different perspective, and, and then obviously people can make their own judgment and, and, and can pick up a few bits or, or decide not to pick up other bits. Uh, but certainly, from my point of view, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, we share loads of ideas, and I'm actually very, very pleased that we've managed now to, to, to secure this deal with the university and obviously with, with yourself heading uh, that support from the University of Derby. Uh, with our next project, which is going to be the virtual reality game, which deliberately we haven't spoken about it today because I think we've, you know, we've got a few exciting things happening in the next couple of months and hopefully we'll be able to update our listeners and our followers after Christmas. But thank you so much, Andy. Thank you very much, Edu, and yeah, good to talk to you again. And yeah, I definitely agree that um, it's interesting. I always tell tell my students as well on the on the master's program. I always say, you know, I don't want you to exit like me with my beliefs and my opinions. I want you to exit having found your beliefs and your opinions. And I think you're dead right about the fact that this is trying to put something out there just to stimulate thought and debate. And it's you know absolutely. It, it's it's no fun unless other people have different opinions, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I fully agree with that. And yeah, the uh, the virtual reality kind of development uh, over the next few months, I'm I'm very excited about that to see how we might be able to change the the face of um, of sports science within within football. Um, so, looking forward to to working with you more on that. And um, yeah, certainly looking forward to coming back and sharing a bit more about that down the line. Thank you so much, Andy. Take care. Have a good one. Thanks, Eddie. Bye-bye.